millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Brenton Cliff Flea Circus. My name is Cliff. Hello, and my name is Brett. Well, welcome you, Brett. Welcome Merry Christmas you, and that. Yes, Merry we're Christmas in between, to you. Aren't we? We're in between. We're, yeah, it's that strange time in between uh, Christmas and New Year, isn't it? I think Where it's Where you great just time. get pissed. I've got off work. <laughs> well, that's it. You've got an excuse, haven't you? You can you can do that sort of stuff. That's, that's good. So I... I uh, inebriated at the moment paul well i've been out for a few beers today um mm-hmm. for the last eight hours uh, yes so. then. <laughs> 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 um, i'm all right D- to be honest brett i started with shandies did you you've been a good boy and uh, then it just descended into no i'm all right i'm all right i've just i've, I've paced myself tonight because i knew we'd be out up on this and out a little bit late talking about this tonight. So I uh, I paced myself a bit. I had lovely fish and chips in the pub. Nice. Did you ask for a shandy or did you ask for a lager top? Well, I'll tell you what I did. I ordered pints uh-huh. and uh-huh. Sprite on the side. Because it it, a lager top, they don't know what you're on about yet, to be honest. They <laughs> don't know what you're on about. To be honest, I'll say shandy. Uh, it was more like three lager tops and three shandies. Three lager tops. wasn't strictly half and half. Uh, oh. But, you know, the lovely, like, when you're having a pint at 1pm, like, it, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want to go straight in with the hard stuff necessarily, do you? So, no, yeah. no, you don't. You don't. You, so you didn't have the, a, a Shane McGowan like we did that Christmas time, no. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> we heard that he liked Guinness with uh, the, a double whiskey in it. Yes. My and I'm, I'm, that. I'm not surprised that he did because it got you very drunk very quickly. So. <laughs> it certainly did. <laughs> but yeah, well, Christmas has been nice here. And the family's mm-hmm. all fine. I hope yours has as well. Yes, absolutely fine. Thanks I haven't for really asking, done yes. much other than the, the Christmas. Well, I'm just shattered now. I need another week off to bloody sort myself out, I think. Do you know what I mean? I'm just absolutely shattered. That's a, that's a problem, isn't it? You've got well, that puzzled look on your face again as well, if I'm like, it. you can't, yes? No, no, that's it. Like, you know, it's, it takes a lot out of you. You've got to be nice to everyone. Lots of people say hello to and all of that. 
it, yeah. uh, you know, it, it is one of those things. Like it's a great time of year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's there's lots to do, lots of people to keep happy and be happy yeah, for, and all of that. So yeah. I suppose so. I suppose so. Hey, uh, Cliff, did you hear about that uh, actress that got stabbed last night? The one that's in uh, Legally Blonde. What's her name? Reese. <laughs> with a spoon? No, no, it was with a knife. <laughs> what a lovely joke about a lady getting stabbed. <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> so I haven't really watched out on the telly. I haven't listened to much of been uh, other than the Beatles, which is what we're going to talk about. And um, mm. unless you want to do any more small talk, we're going to get into <laughs> the Beatles get back which is an eight and a half hour opus, as uh, most, I guess, a lot of our listeners will know. Um, uh-huh. It's, a, you know, it's a, a three-part series about the recording of the Let It Be album, but it's an expansion of the Let It Be film, which came out yeah. to accompany the album in 1970, uh-huh. where Peter Jackson has taken so much more footage that was available and basically done a documentary kind of about the yeah documentary. Like, uh, yeah uh-huh. apparently there was like 60 hours or something like that you know, I, I think I, the last see. bit says like yeah slide five slate 500 take whatever and then it kind of leaves out like <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of footage a lot of audio and a lot mm. of uh a lot of studio shenanigans that i think probably wasn't necessary but we'll get into that as we necessary talk about for us um so we're going to welcome, uh, I'm just going to send him the invite, but we're going to welcome Luke, our mm-hmm. good friend from the Mariners, on to talk about it. Another huge Beatles fan. Um, yeah. He's a massive McCartney fan, isn't he? So I'm looking forward to hearing what he yeah. thinks about this. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've I've spent a, a while watching it. It was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, when I first said I started it and I wasn't yeah. so sure about it mm-hmm. at that point. And, I think uh, you said it annoyed you. It did, and, it? and I stand by that. I think it, but I think it was kind of on purpose a bit, but we'll talk about when Luke comes on. But I think, uh, you know, it's in those three parts. The first part, uh-huh. in my opinion, is the annoying part. The second yeah. part is the best part. And then the right. third part is the concert. Um, you see, that's interesting because I think that the, the first part is the best part. Do you really? Oh. Yeah, and the second part slightly annoyed me, which well, is I, a bit I, odd. I don't think we're going to be friends anymore. Well, at least we can <laughs> agree on the fact that the third part is the concert. <laughs> is it the concert, though? Yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's definitely the concert at the end, isn't it? But I, I thought, yeah, it's it's. I loved it, me. I thought it was it was great overall. It's long, but I, I preferred. It is long, yeah. But I mean, people want the sixty-hour version, aren't they? The direct <laughs> cut. So there you go. That would be even better, wouldn't it? There he is. Nice to see you. You've grown a little Christmas beard, I think. A more of a beard. A maca, a maca beard. Yeah, this for this. <laughs> so we've just done a little introduction and said that we're going to have a uh, basically we're going to have a couple episodes talking about the Beatles "Get Back" by Peter Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know where we're going to end this one and start the next one, but 
what we will do is play a couple of your songs at the end of, of both of them, which is great, or you and, and the Mariners songs. And uh, now we are just getting into that. It's a three-part series. It's on for fucking ages. And it's a treasure trove of stuff for Beatles fans like us. Uh-huh. We're all huge Beatles fans. What I want to do before we get into the minutiae of it, which we can't do too much because we'd be on Ooh. for hours, is your initial thoughts on it. Luke, you've watched it. I know you've watched it twice. What's your like your top line review of it? It's the best thing that's been on television since Anthology. <laughs> I'd, I'd argue it's not long enough. It's like I've, 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 I think I've watched it three times now completely. And then I've also dipped into bits just like for half hour here and there sort of thing. And I have it on the background sometimes. I just, I just wish it was just constant. I wish they'd done it in real time. So you had like literally 24 hours just following each of them just for that three or four weeks. That, that, would, have been, that would have been better. Luke's <laughs> uh, review is too short. Yeah, too short. <laughs> Brett, what's your initial top line? What do you think? Uh, I think it's history, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? That's that's the thing about it. It's like uh, the documentary that uh, Peter Jackson did before this as well about the World War One and stuff like that. That's history as well, isn't it? And this the same. It's it's absolutely. I loved it. I, I mean, again, there were certain parts of it I like better than the other parts. For mm-hmm. example, like we've just talked about the first part, I like the best. That's my one. For some reason. You like the second one? For some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just, it's history. It's, if you're a Beatles fan, like you said, it's yeah. treasure trove, isn't it? Yeah, I There's think no it's better than the Beatles talking to each other, even I, if they're not getting on. I think it's absolutely revelatory being able to get this insight into what this process was mm-hmm. and what they're trying to do is revelatory as well. And it, I think without this, let it be in this process is overlooked. Let it be is my least favorite Beatles album, probably. We've talked about that before. Um, yeah. It probably still is, like maybe, maybe not. But uh, just watching this is, I mean, you're, you're like, you're right, you're watching history. You could watch it for hours, like you could have it on for 21 days or 27 days, whatever it is. Um, but at the same time, I do think there's bits that are repetitive. I do think there's bits that are annoying, but that's all part of it, isn't it? That's part of what they're trying to show you, this process yeah. of what they were getting up to was. Um, I, I think it's it's a brilliant piece of work from Peter Jackson, but what I can't understand is how has it taken 50 years? To I was just about it? to say that. How these tapes just been sat there for 50 years and no one... What I don't get, because they they obviously do cash in on a lot of Beatles stuff every now and then. Mm-hmm. They could have cashed in on this after 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. It's taken this long to sort of think, oh, this 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 might be worth doing something with this. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. Is cra- which is crazy, really. I couldn't understand uh-huh. why it didn't come out in the 90s with, with obviously the, the anthology in that. But in the years that have passed, it's just been sat there. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the part of it is that Peter Jackson used that technology, whatever he did with that war film. I haven't watched it, but I've read Good. that he's been able to restore the footage using that technology, which maybe that yeah. wasn't possible before. So before, uh-huh. maybe it would have just been loads more grainy, miserable footage like the original film was, which maybe wouldn't have added anything new. It would have still looked a bit crap. I don't, I don't. That's the only thing I can think of that they didn't do it before. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, because it looks amazing. It looks like it could. It looks like it could have been filmed well, last week, doesn't it? Technical, or isn't it? It's like one it's just, of those old fifties yeah. or sixties films that filmed uh-huh. in uh, like technical Like it's it's proper popping out of the screen, the outfits and all of that, which it, like it, it that adds to it so much. Like yeah. what they're wearing and how they look and the contrast. One of the main things I think is the contrast between them and Glyn Johns and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and what they're wearing because yeah. they are like aliens. The what you know, this I know we've said this before, but they're existing in their own bubble and in this, even more in their own bubble than before. And everyone else is a bit square, aren't they? Compared they're all to them, totally square. Yeah. Like all when yeah. you're watching the people, on even the, the even the younger, even some of the younger ones, apart from like say, apart from you say, Glenn Johns, even the younger ones that are like knocking about the studio technicians, people that were probably quite young and hip at the time yeah. they're still they're still very yeah. hit um next square i mean no one's so no one's got george's shoes have, have they i mean george <laughs> said that he, he he doesn't go to shoe shops or whatever so you go get some shoes <laughs> he's got some he's, what shoes. are them shoes that he's got on them yeah, things the ones like at the end where they just show you them tapping when they're listening to the final playback <laughs> Yeah, like so, when yeah. he asked when he asked someone to bring some in for him, he was only asking for plain black slip-ons. You're yeah. like, when do you when do you wear plain black slip-ons? Yeah. Do you oh, think that George is a bit of a diva because he was asking for dicky ties? He's a, he's a massive shoes. diva. I think that's <laughs> one of the main things of the film is George being this sensitive soul on his journey to spiritual enlightenment, but mm-hmm. also being a total diva. And it's like it, it, I think. George is my favorite, right? I absolutely love him, but he's such uh, like there's two sides to him. He's so yeah. pious and so kind of uppity and angry uh-huh. about stuff, and at the same time preaching peace and love, and you've got to embrace yeah. everything. But that's life, right? Like that's that's the human condition, which is why I think John Lennon's exactly the same. And I think you know that's what makes you relate to these people even though they're on a, yeah. another time on another level to, to all of us really um, he's also the most sensible out of a lot of them isn't he i when think he's brilliant I like, I'll, I'll the, the boat idea this yeah. is ridiculous yeah this is I'm, I'm not spending two weeks on a boat <laughs> with people i love the bit at the end where they're like george do you want to go on the roof and he goes obviously i don't want to go on the roof <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to do anything George does, he does wants he? to do nothing but play the guitar which is That's great it. I think it's yeah. great um, as long as yeah as long as you turn that pedal off yeah. then, it, then it's then it's great some of that some of that early um early stuff at Twickenham where he's got that pedal on it's a little bit too a little bit too um forceful for my liking on that yeah but yeah, yeah. yeah. Of, <laughs> yeah I, I agree with you but um but I think I think George's story I, Right, Michael Lindsay Hogg, horrible. I think everybody who's watched this must think, what a dick that guy is. <laughs> what did he bring what? to it? Nothing, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he's, there's there's he's, the board thing, isn't there? There's, yeah. there's also the idea that he floated. Where, shall we go to a hospital? Not for really sick kids, just, no, just ones with broken we legs. Just, really sick. just a little sick, just a little bit sick. <laughs> I mean, he just keeps going, 2,000 Arabs. <laughs> yeah, he, he came up with some shit ideas, didn't he? They keep, I mean, they, they don't even acknowledge most of them, and he's still no. there. He's a dick. He doesn't respect their kind of genius and who they are, and he's no uh-huh. one. That's what pisses me off more than anything. It's a bit where he goes, um, 
all we've got so far is a film about uh, tea drinkers, nose pickers and nail biters and nobody responds to it at all. <laughs> I couldn't believe the bit where he, he was tr trying to sell himself as well as being like the biggest Beatles fan in the world. And he sat yeah. there trying to tell, tell Linda that he's a bigger fan than what yeah, she yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah they, they, think, they think you are, pal. It's like... Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a total fraud, isn't he? He's like so... <laughs> he's so transparent. I, yeah. He just wants. He's in this to make a name for himself, right? Like, there's no other reason he's doing this whatsoever. He's not very creative. For a start, he had all of this footage and made the shittest film of all time out of it. So, and he, there's one bit where he goes, "There's no story, mate. You've got one of the Beatles leaving and coming back. You've got another fella turning up and joining the Beatles. You've got mm -hmm. like they're doing a thing on the rooftop, like." There's a story here. Like I don't, I don't understand how you're a filmmaker and don't see that these you things all are the arc of a story of a thing. That's I happened. think John John tells him that at one point, doesn't he? Like he said something about the story, and John says, "I think it's, I think it's all kicking off." And I pull that nod. We're like, "Yeah, this is this is crazy. This is like this is a good documentary." Yeah, he just doesn't, he just doesn't see it himself, does he? I think the main yeah, thing doesn't. with this whole thing is it's totally aimless, isn't it? That's what he's getting at. But he's the director. He should be fucking directing it. But there's this kind of, it's a fly on the wall. We're just going to see what happens. And the Beatles don't work like that. The Beatles, I think one of the main things, out of all of the genius that's on show here, they are not a jam band. They cannot just jam and other than Paul McCartney on his own, make and get back out of thin air. They can't yeah. just jam, which is obviously fucking phenomenal, but they're not like a band that can jam, like that, you know, which a lot of bands in the late 60s could do, just play for ages and make something out of nothing. But this yeah. entire project is kind of about that, nah. which is why I think it is so frustrating and lasted, even though it's only 21 days, that's a long time for Beatles to be recording an album. Yeah. I mean, they, they just revert back the, the oldies, don't they? Whenever they're bored, they just revert back to old rock and roll and stuff yeah. like that. Like they, they would well, have That was, that was kind of the point, wasn't it? But I don't know. It's just weird. I loved it all that, me. I, I, I like listening to the the German stuff. No, I'm not having it. I'm not having a go at what it sounds like, but it's not what they're best at, is it? No, no, I agree with that. What do you think? Look, I mean, well, they, 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 you've got to remember as well. They, they just spent the last two or three albums sort of advancing music for not just themselves but everybody in the world and now all of a sudden they were trying to, they were trying to go back to something that was so old-fashioned really in a sense that the whole thing of like let's get in a room just knock an album out in a day or in a morning or whatever it, it was a little bit all of a sudden a little bit alien to them and yeah. it was probably taking them well it was it was taking them out of the comfort zone their comfort zone then a, a studio be it abbey road or wherever where they've got george martin and all their engineers at their whim doing all these amazing things all of a sudden they were going they were gone straight away from that it's like right let's do something raw no overdubs no no layering stuff up it must have been quite a strange experience yeah and a, a pressure as well to to yeah. all of us go back to that yeah what do you think Brett? it's definite yeah it's definite pressures isn't it because they've got a certain amount of time to do this because originally it was like a tv show that they were going to do or whatever and then that evolved into a documentary and stuff like that. So there's the, the pressure there. I think it's also, it's Paul McCartney's idea, isn't it? It's his sort of baby. So you have an idea at that point, yeah. I suppose. But it's it's to like bring the band back together, isn't it? Because they're yeah. in trouble. Yeah, well, That's they've come the out the, the White Album, which you all recorded separately, right? Yeah. 
Uh, Magical Mystery Tour didn't go down very well. That was all McCartney's idea. White Album, they recorded separately, pretty much, or wrote separately, and then it's all kind of solo songs on that. Uh, And this was an idea, like, right, let's get back to the roots. Yeah. Get back, kind of came out of that. It's mad that that just came out of his head when that's the idea of it. That's the genius of McCartney, I think. But Luke, you're Mm -hmm. you're a McCartney man, uh, probably more so than me and Brett. Watching this must be like manna from heaven for you. Uh, well, uh, the, the man, I felt really emotional watching a lot of McCartney bits. There's, there's, there's loads of McCartney bits that just choked me up a little bit. Seeing him get choked up about stuff that choked that choked me up. There was there was a moment where he turned around to the camera and he was like, and then there was two when he was talking about like John yeah. wasn't really. <laughs> John, John was very absent, and even when he was there, he was quite absent. And McCartney did that. that there was that little brief moment where he looked away and he couldn't escape the camera. Mm-hmm. And you, you yeah. saw him. You, you saw his. You heard his voice shake, and you saw him shake. And he was he was tearful. And he was obviously with Ringo, but he, he was he was he was proper yeah. gutter then. And at that moment, it was like his world was falling apart. And I I felt that. And that was that was genuine. You could I, I think you see that bit of video and that bit of footage. That sincerity at his best. It's like yeah. he, there was nowhere to hide. And mm-hmm. I think that was the beauty of the way they did it as well. The cameras, I think I heard something where they said that there was only one, there was only one occasion where they requested that the cameras be turned off and they wanted to have a private conversation or they wanted yeah. to be away. And, and, and that's quite a brave thing to do as well, because if you've got the cameras rolling all the time, everything's there, isn't it? But yeah, as you, as you say, from, a, from my point of view as a McCartney fan, it's just it's just brilliant because it's it's mainly McCartney pushing a project. It's it's mainly McCartney coming in every morning with some new genius. It was like he was writing a, a, a new timeless classic every morning or, or or coming in with one. And it was just it was just surreal to see it happen. It's weird, I think, because I, I don't think if you went watch McCartney's Purple Patch, you wouldn't say 1969, probably. You know, you. The, if you think about the great McCartney songs, you think about Yesterday and Eleanor Rigby and stuff like that, you probably think about mid-60s. But McCartney at this point is on such a roll with his songwriting and his ideas. And it was only at the end of this entire thing that it kind of made more sense to us. Because I was saying to Brett before you came on, Luke, the first episode kind of annoyed me a bit because it's just McCartney like fucking doing stuff over and over and over again. Lennon in the first episode in the in the big Twickenham studios. I mean, he, he might as well have sent a cardboard cutout. Like, yeah. he's, he's not, he's dis, disconnected. I think he's disconnected all the way through. But he's partic- off his tits, isn't he? Particularly at that point. And what it doesn't go into in the in the documentary of, in this film anyway is that this is meant to be his, his heroin addiction period. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really seem like that much of a junkie, but he's definitely zoned out for whatever reason. In that mm-hmm. first episode specifically, George obviously is pissed off in that first episode. So it's all McCartney in that one, really. And Ringo, I think if anybody watches this and doesn't come to the conclusion that Ringo is the greatest drummer of all time, they're a fucking idiot. But not not just the greatest drummer, but one of the, the nicest, most easy yeah, what going a guy. People. What a guy. He's a lovely because guy. There was, like... there was times where he was almost just being told, no, Ringo, don't do anything you're not needed on this bit. And he just sits, he never, we're, we're like um, George would um, sometimes snap back or yeah. have a little uh-huh. dig. Ringo Ringo just takes whatever comes his way. He plays when he's wanted. He'd, he just came across as um, 
well, just an absolute gem. And yeah, he is, he is an amazing drummer, but I think he was also important as a member and like, yeah, like I, the, I totally almost like the glue him. that kept them together. And such, if it wasn't for him, you wonder whether there was even going to be recording at this stage together as a group. Such mm -hmm. an such a positive influence, I think, on these sessions, even by not joining in the bickering or whatever. I think he's a positive influence. And I think he's the only person, I think there's one point in this eight and a half hours where McCartney says, maybe do it a bit like this. But everything else, they just trust Ringo to do what yeah. he does. And I think that's mm -hmm. a massive, massive, like, McCartney's telling Lennon what to play and he's telling George what to play, obviously, which comes into her head. But he never, other than that one little bit, the trust Ringo to do the right thing for the song. There's, there doesn't seem to be any rehearsal from Ringo. He just does it, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's, he just, he's he just, it looks like he's it? trying not to white you most of the time. He's so hungover. <laughs> <of Yeah. laughs> like, do, do, do you think that dislike for the first episode as well, though, or, or like the annoyance rather? I, I was I was having I had a bit of a theory on it. They started on January the 2nd. Now yeah. I know that I know it's not a normal job in in the sense that everybody else has, but no one likes going back to work after Christmas and New Year. I imagine at the time they were partying a bit on New, on on something such yeah, as New Year's so, Eve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the second of January seemed. I, I know it's like almost due to the Twickenham being available and it being offered to them, but it probably wasn't the best time to start. And the, the sort of the feeling and the vibes were quite bad from the off, weren't they, at Twickenham? Yeah, like, I mean, although it was such a hollow space, the, the word, well, there was no introduction to the cameras being there. You know, it was yeah. like they're on and you're recording, like from minute one. There was no uh -huh. like getting used to it or anything like that. No. And I don't blame them for being reticent yeah. and standoffish with it and with each other as well as with the whole process, I think. Um, I mean, even George says, I don't think this is a very acoustically good place. <laughs> yeah. He says that straight away, doesn't he? Straight <laughs> away. <laughs> First uh -huh. morning. First morning, exactly, yeah. And I think and George Martin says the same thing, doesn't he? Yeah. I like yeah. when yeah. George Martin turns up because that's one of the things with it is basically they'd sacked off George Martin at this point, right? They didn't want to work with him anymore. But obviously they had, then had to bring him in because they needed his little favour to make sure they got a recording in a mixing desk and stuff like that from EMI because this was a stupid idea. It had There was no way to record this or whatever. So they needed him. And I think George Martin's excellent in this. Like, I really think he's awesome. Also, I think with George Martin, you think he's always old. He's about 35. When I know. In the early 60s, I think he looked older than he, he does here. Yeah, I think he Weirdly. looked pretty cool in this, actually. Especially uh, that yeah, bit I think he looks at good. the end where he looks in that hidden camera. I think he looks cool uh -huh. as fuck at that bit. But he comes in, like, basically, they've sacked him off and let Glenn Johns run it. And then halfway through, they're like, actually, George, will you? Can you come and help us out a bit? And he seems uh -huh. to do it with good grace and like, but still let's Glenn Johns run the session uh -huh. and stuff like that. I, I think, I mean, Lennon had a lot of bad stuff to say about George Martin after the Beatles split up, especially towards the end of it, where he said he thought he was like was part of the Beatles and stuff like that and took uh, credit for their success. But I think him being there made everything a little bit more professional just by his presence. Well, I think he must have had something to do with bringing, bringing Billy Preston in because they're talking about Billy Preston, aren't they? Or we need a, another member because they keep, know, they keep mentioning they keep mentioning that other piano player and it's Nicky Hopkins yeah. they're talking about, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, the, From the yeah. Rolling Stones. But as soon as yeah, as soon as um, as soon as Bill and as soon as Billy comes in, talk about a change. It's like well, this yeah. is why the second episode for me is where it all lifts off. Um, like 
and it's always been a thing, right? We've seen the anthology, that, and they're saying that. And when he comes in, it's like it's basically like you coming yeah. in on this podcast. Otherwise, me and Brett would we're be on what best behavior. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but when you watch it in the full with a bit more kind of widescreen appreciation of it. Fucking hell! It, like I felt myself like the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, and I was a bit. He's, more infe- like, he's an infectious character, isn't he? He's like, he's, what yeah, sm- all smiles, and I think it really helps that George loves him, uh, and yeah. I mean George, Har- George, George Harris would buy that George as well. Wanted him in, right? Yeah, so straight away he's all all of a sudden got somebody alongside him, an ally. So whereas you've normally obviously got Paul and John doing their own thing and their little in jokes and their little things between the two of them. George needs someone and he's got Ringo, but like you've said, Ringo is very much in the background, just sort of happily just doing whatever anyone needs needs of him. I think Billy helps George sort of bring his I, game up a little bit. I think and- it's great for George. George obviously wants him to join. And what I think is George is the only one of this band that is happy jamming with other people. Like, you know, Paul yeah. and John are very much... up with Dylan and Clapton. Paul and John before, are very he? insular, right? They, they're, they're the little mm. gang. They won't even let George in, so they're never going to let that guy in and that no. guy in. And there's one point where George says, well, I can ring Dylan up and he can join as well. And Paul's like, yeah. but it's it's enough just us, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't think that would ever happen, but he wanted Billy in there. They need somebody to play the keys because they can't do both of them because with it being live. And honestly, his appearance just fucking everyone just loves him when he turns up. And even John, who's obviously at this point is kind of cynical and a bit out of it or a bit out of whack. And he's he's like really excitedly telling George Martin, oh, yeah, we knew him 10 years ago. He was he was the he was the uh, keyboard player for little Richard, and he's like really yeah. excited telling him it's it's nice to see John like excited about something. And I think yeah. from that point on. John gets much more into the project and what they're doing. There's another there's another McCartney bit with Billy as well. Do you know when when he first starts when they first start telling in the songs and they start playing I've got a feeling and Billy just all of a sudden he's not he just he's just sat there and all of a sudden he, for the first time he plays the keys over the chorus yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or all the verses. You know that little riff yeah. that comes on the on the on the offbeats of the lines. Yeah. And Paul's face just lights up. He looks yeah, at him yeah. really excited. Yeah. Like, You've got uh, it. And again, got it's it. a magical moment. It's like it just and we we've had that before as a band when not necessarily with somebody else, but when one of us does something that just brings a song to life. It's an it is an amazing feeling. It's an and it's it's almost like magic's just happened. So for mm. for the beetle for a beetle to look at somebody else and say you've just brought that magic alive, yeah, uh, that, that that says something as well. And but I, he's, I, he's perfect. And I think the one of the great things is he's not like a rival, right? He's not he's not the guy who's played the keyboard for the Rolling Stones. He's not, you know. And I think because he's coming from outside of that whole UK you know that r and b kind of scene and yeah. that psychedelic scene or whatever they're in right now i think that helps because if he was if nicky hopkins did come in it would be session you're in you're out thanks very much nicky i think that's my opinion of it yeah. but because billy comes into the norm there's just that great little bit where they're saying so is he going to come back tomorrow and they're like well i hope yeah. so i think he will he's like he's like who's going to pay him yeah <laughs> I mean, talk here, about talk about look as well. Talk about look being on your side for for him to turn up in the UK for he was doing an interview, wanted, but then yeah. to also just be able to say, oh yeah, I can give you the next two weeks of my life, and he just yeah. it seems to he's always like, be there. Well, I think still a black show or something like that, wasn't he? And that's what he was there for. 
Yeah. But I, I just thought it was very strange that they were talking about him, and then he arrived. Then he just think, turned. You up. know, <laughs> it, it's somebody's, uh, and I imagine that it's probably George Mal. Martin. Well, it would have been Mal Evans. Oh, or maybe he's Mal. I could have been Mal. Like, who <laughs> is great? Any? I've Mal. written down a list of like peripheral people in this. And if we don't talk about that, I'm going to ask you about like each of them. But Mal is on that list because who knew all the stuff that he did? Like I knew Mal Evans was a big, you know, he's a big yeah. part of the Beatles story. I didn't know he wrote the words down for them when they were saying <laughs> yeah. them. I know, yeah. <laughs> he seems to be the, he seems to be the only one as well, along with George Martin, that can turn around and say whatever he wants yeah. to another Beatle yeah. and get instant respect back. Yeah. Other people, other people sometimes try it. And either the Beatles will ignore them or they'll take it on board, but the person maybe doesn't say exactly the sort of yeah. honest truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but Mal and George can just say it how it is, and that's fine because they're, they're both one of them, aren't they? So, Neil Aspinall's only in, in this for a short part of a piece of time. Yeah. But I think he's probably in that group as well, but yeah. he's not mm -hmm. really a big part of this film. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, Mal, like, what a lovable guy. But yeah, mm -hmm. who knew that they just read out the word when they read out the words and he would write them down and type them up? <laughs> like, yeah. well, a guy he he out, also plays the animal. hammer as well, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a hammer and an anvil, Mal. Also, there's the point where Paul's starting to write the long and winding road and he's going, Oh, I think you should say leader to your yeah, door. Yeah, he's helping him out. Isn't he? I'm like, And Paul's going, Yeah, I think you're right there. Like, uh -huh. and I was like, What the fuck? Like, I didn't know He's that, that yeah. happened. Like, uh -huh. yeah, any anybody else? I don't think they'd have got the time of day with that opinion going in there. But yeah, Paul Paul takes well, things on board. Even and... That bit with Glyn Johns where he says to John, "Turn the bass down on your guitar," and John just looks at Paul and he's like, <laughs> "Someone's told you. Someone's telling them what to do here." Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't. Uh, I think the main thing is he doesn't know how to do it. I think that's no. the thing. <laughs> but, there's, um, there's also Alan Parsons in there as well, isn't there? From the Alan Parsons project, is he's he? in there as well. I uh, did you not see him? No, I didn't which see him. Was, which bit was that? Where he's, he in, he's in with Glenn Johns for a little bit in the in the second uh, uh, episode. Is the he? Alan Parsons project? Uh huh. He is. Did not is see he? him. Yeah, for me, right? It's the, I like the first one because it, it shows that creative process. I'm just sitting down. I know John Lennon's out of it completely, but it's got the McCartney bit where he's just making up get back, which I just think is is watching like oh. a flash of genius. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. It incredible. just took me breath away when I watched that bit. So that bit's in it. It's got all the, the other bits, the, the funny bits in it. For example, you know, the boat and stuff like that. Mm. And then it's got the bit that Luke was talking about as well, where George does leave and you can see McCartney's eyes fill up. There's all that different stuff in the first episode. You know, you know I think it's I mean? weird that they just carry on after he leaves. Well, they just get clapping in, <laughs> wouldn't they? That's what John Lennon says. I think George when... says that before he leaves. He's like, I'll leave. You just get clapping on someone to replace us. I'll see you later. But I think... The, the... The thing is, they're very flippant about them leaving first off, aren't they? Yeah, it, and then about not, an hour later, it's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but, I think it's, all, it's yeah. almost like they saw it coming. They, they see it coming, though, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got to remember, working in a studio with someone like that for all the years they did, he might have he might have done that on every single project. 
and it yeah, just yeah. it's like two hours later he'd, he'd be back in or whatever so they were yeah. all thinking well we'll be back in a minute it's george uh -huh. you know yeah, well, ringo did it in the white album i'm pretty sure george uh -huh. did it in the right album as well but obviously they were all kind of writing recording Separate. a bit separately in that so the, i think the the main thing for me with this project is i don't think they ever recorded an album in this way live rehearsed it come up with the songs on the spot rehearsed them and then made them Lennon McCartney would have gone here's our five songs for this or six songs for this this is your bit this is your bit let's play them mm -hmm. and this is the first time and I think there's a bit where George is like I am really getting into this this is the longest I've ever played the guitar for my fingers are yeah. getting loose I'm really getting into it and you can see when George comes back he's his confidence just grows and grows and grows. And there's that bit where he plays for you blue and you can see him. He's like, kind of like little embarrassed, like cheeks when he's singing it. And you can see him mm -hmm. like flushed with pride that he's actually playing along live in a recording setting with these guys. And they're finally accepting them. And I think as mm -hmm. it goes on, one of the main things that I love about it is at the beginning when George is going, well, I think you should like play these chords or maybe the guitar should be a little bit more choppy like these soul songs and McCartney's like, you know what you're talking about, fuck off. By the end of it, he's, he's a, absolutely an equal part of how these songs sound, even if he didn't ring them, uh, write them, sorry. Uh, and but the I, thing is I, with I George, he's got, he's got loads of ideas, hasn't he? He's, got, he's coming in every day with a song that he's written overnight or whatever. Because he's been watching the sci-fi program on the, the, the TV and stuff. He's coming in with loads of stuff. Lennon, not particularly, is he? He hasn't got a lot of ideas. I think Lennon is like the, the least, he's, he's the least engaged in this, even mm -hmm. less than Ringo, I think. George, <laughs> just George, is, George, George is a little bit apologetic, though, in the way he presents a song or presents an idea. So he comes in and it's almost like he, he, yeah. he gives the impression that he doesn't fully believe in it. And I think he, I think he did. I think uh -huh. he always, I think he always believed in it, but I don't think he believed maybe that it was the right time or whether this well, was the right. I mean, setting. that's understandable, right? Like you've got. Yeah, the, of course it is. Yeah, and there's a, there is that bit, and it's not the famous bit where he's going, "I'll just play what you want us to play." But there's a bit where he's saying, "Well, maybe the guitar should be like this," and McCartney just looks at him and just blanks him and starts talking to John yeah. again in the in that first episode. Now I'm like. Yeah. Fucking hell! No wonder he walked out like that. See, I, see, I, th I think George does. To me, to me, George comes across as. I think what the film did it, it sort of highlighted the things I already knew, or the things I already thought I knew about each individual. Yeah, yeah. The thing with George is, I thought George was sometimes probably um, a little bit hard work, and yeah. the way he could be a bit whingy and a bit moany. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But at the same time. I, I know exactly why he was like that. I understand yep. it. I wish he wasn't always that way. And I wish sometimes he did have a bit more of a positive spin. But at the same time, he was playing second fiddle to the best two songwriters that have yep. ever existed. And even now, 50 years later, still have ever existed. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He had the impossible task, didn't he? He, he did. did. I, I mean, there's, there's another bit. There's another bit where George, I think it's I, Me, Mine or something like that he's playing. And he, he says to them all, well, I, I don't fucking care for you if you don't want it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so he's, a, not, he's not forceful. He's not saying, I want this to be on the album or anything like I that. I think there's he? a he's bit where he realises, like, yeah, you guys are going to do what you want. I'm bringing me songs in. And he does get empowered yeah. a little bit more. But also there's that bit towards the end when he says, 
you know, I've got I've got loads of songs and I've been writing them. Yeah. And if I'm going to have two on an album, I'm going to have enough songs for the next 10 years or the next 10 albums, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And he went, but maybe I'll just do my own album and write, get them all down. And he's and again, you're going uh, good. Yeah, that's a good idea. Do it, yeah. I didn't, know, I didn't know if that was his way. I didn't know if that was his way of trying to get John to say, "Oh no, no, come on, yeah, let's, exactly, we'll, we'll yeah. do some I more of yours." So, yeah. I think yeah. I think it's a shame that like all things must pass wasn't on this album and well, look, little things like that. I, I do like the album, but you wonder whether like just one little tweak like that with adding that on, whether it would have just elevated it to just another level Luke, and. Luke, yeah. Teddy Boy was in serious consideration for this album. Um, I like I like Teddy Boy. But all things must pass wasn't. But yes, it should have been on there because all things must pass is George's version of a Let It Be, a Hey Jude, or a Long and Winding Road. Right? Like, yeah, it's it's, it's, exactly. it's on it's on, it's on that sort you, of. And you've got fucking Paul just singing nonsense Teddy Boy shit. I, you like it? I, I hate that song, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you've got to agree that in the grand scheme of things, he's going. Hey, do you want to hear this? And Paul's like, "Well, actually, I've got this one." And it's yeah. not even got to the oh, it, sh- it should it should have been on there. But again, that's where that's where maybe he should have been a bit more forceful because they did play it a few times and they were they were working at it. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the, the thing that came to, came I find interesting on that bit is when they when they are rehearsing it, McCartney's really going for it on the harmonies and the yeah, backing yeah, vocals. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. not like it's not like he's not bothered. He, 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 I think when they're doing something and when they're trying something, even if it's George's, they give it their all. But for whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't then get pushed enough. Well, and George think, just says, yeah. this has got to be on it. I think from my point of view, McCartney tries to overpower everything that anybody brings in in all of these sessions. And I think that's because he's the driving force in it and he's coming up yeah, with Yeah, because if he up wasn't doing songs. that, n- nobody else would. No, no, I agree. But they I wouldn't think get anything other people bring in the songs, I think he kind of oversteps the mark a little bit on other people's songs a bit like he's always yeah. doing the daft voices on the back and vocals or he's like honestly that like kind of high harmony he's trying out all the way through like really pisses us off to a point and then you get to the end and you hear the finished songs and you realize that he's actually spent 20 days working out what his best voice is for each of these songs uh-huh. the other guys don't have that lennon sings like lennon George sings like George. McCartney has a different voice for different material. And uh-huh. it's really annoying to me for that rehearsal process, hearing him like stamp all over people's songs with these different vo- harmonies and stuff uh-huh. like that. But the finished article absolutely makes it worth it because he's got, yeah. he nails it in the end. And when you hear uh-huh. those finished vocals, whether it's on the, the rough takes or whatever, or, 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 the, or the live versions, he gets it. Which is the genius of McCartney, I think. Yeah, and I think that's partly where the argument comes from as well, isn't it? Like it's if Paul McCartney saying, "I want to get my bits sorted before you do yours." Yeah, bits, yeah, because I, I know what my bits are, so I'm going <laughs> to yeah. do them, and you like uh-huh. follow suit. Look, we're about to end this episode and come back in about 15 minutes. You've got 30 seconds to introduce the B-side of your latest single. The B side. So this is a quite an old recording um, from about four or five years ago. It's a quick one minute thirty pocket rocket. It's called "Don't Ask Once." And it's very Beatlesy. Nice. So thanks, it, it works perfectly. Cheers. Well, <laughs> we're going to switch off. We'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>